Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Breaks a tackle. Hey everybody, welcome into the BSN Buffs podcast presented by Canyon Bakehouse. I'm your host, Henry Chisholm. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about the delicious certified gluten-free breads, bagels, English muffins, and other baked goods that are made right here in Johnstown, Colorado. Canyon Bakehouse's gluten, dairy, nut, and soy-free products make it easy for families to enjoy the taste and texture of fresh bread so everyone can love bread again. Find them at any major grocery store in the freezer or fresh bread aisle or purchase online and visit canyonglutenfree.com to grab a coupon. How's it going? Uh, it feels like it's been forever since the last time we taped one of these. Um, I guess it was only Friday, but Saturday we had a great day with a bunch of BSN subscribers. Ryan Konigsberg and I got to go out and play some golf with a couple. Uh, we had our fantasy draft on Saturday. We had the Broncos watch party where we got to watch college football and see me... Uh, make the wrong picks in both of those games. So that was fun. Uh, did all that on Saturday. Sunday was the beginning of the Buffs prep for the Colorado State game on Friday. So it's a Friday game. So instead of practicing Monday through Friday, they go Sunday through Thursday. So I was up in Boulder Sunday, uh, had a chance to talk about Colorado State for really the first time. Um then went out to print-up field to watch the Buffs play a soccer game against Boston University. Again, those are always a blast. That's such a talented team. 1-2-0. Now the Buffs are 2-0 so far this season. They have an awesome schedule coming up. I think they play Texas this weekend. Uh, the weekend after, they play Baylor, and Baylor's played, or they're placed like top five in the country right now. Uh, and then Florida State the next week and Florida state's on the road. The other two are at home, but that Florida state game, uh, I think Florida state's ranked in the top three somewhere, top two, even, I think it's really a blast. I'd go check out the soccer team. If you get a chance, LaVisca's always out there. I was surprised he was out there again with the, half the football team. Uh, I think that's all I have on that. Um, you may have noticed that my voice is kind of a mess. I'm not really sure why that is, but this might be a shorter pod because every one of these words really hurts me. I've already taken like, three little breaks where I pause the recording and then cough and then start taping again. So we better get on to the important buff stuff that we are here to talk about today. It's game week. We are four days away from the Rocky Mountain Showdown at Mile High Stadium in Denver. I'm so excited. I hope you guys are excited too. It's going to be a blast. Talking with uh, the team Turns out they're pretty excited to actually play football again. I don't think anybody is surprised by that. 
Um, a couple of quick notes from media availability the last couple of days. Still, still a little concerned about what this defense is going to look like in the first game of the season. Cornerbacks have been studying up. Safeties have been studying up. But, you know, we've heard a lot of people say, you know, in this scheme we're going to be learning every week of the season. There's always more to learn. I think that's how Mel Tucker put it. So I, I really think that if things go wrong for the Buffs on Friday, that's going to be the base of it. It's going to be that the back end of the defense keeps Colin Hill and those Rams in the game. Uh, this offense is going to, the Buffs offense is going to run all over Colorado State. And I think that they'll be able to run the ball. I think they'll be able to throw the ball. I really am not concerned at all about what this offense will look like. My concern is with the back end of the defense uh, because I think the Buffs still have more talent there, but whether they are ready to go with this new playbook and all of these new schemes that Mel Tucker and Tyson Summers have implemented, that's a big, big question mark for me, and that's something that I be watching for on Friday. I met Mikhail Onu yesterday on Sunday and talked to him about the same stuff, how he feels the defense is coming along, uh, whether he feels like he has a good grasp. And he said about the same thing where it's like there is so much to learn that he thinks they have it. He thinks they're ready. Delrick Abrams said the same thing, but there's still more to be learned and they still just want to keep getting reps in and keep building toward the end of the season, which Makes sense. I think that that's something that you'd hear when you implement any sort of new defensive scheme that it's it takes a little bit of time for everybody to be totally ready or totally grasp it and know exactly what they need to be trying to do in it, what their responsibilities are. We talked to Tyson Summers today about the communication. Now, they, they're going to have to, with all these different checks and all these different pre-snap reads and even the post-snap stuff, at mile high, it's going to be loud. So they're, they're figuring out how to communicate all this stuff when they won't even be able to hear each other. With like the nods and the head shakes, all this kind of stuff that he was talking about. This is all very new. This is stuff that hasn't really been tested by the buffs yet. Um, you know, luckily they've been going up one of the best groups of receivers in the country in practice. So you'd hope that some of that, you know, that... They've been playing players there so good that once they face a little bit lesser competition, they can really shine. But it does sound like it's still a bit of a work in progress a few days out. Um, we'll, we will figure out, I guess, on Friday how ready they are, how ready this secondary is to start the season off. Um, it's interesting, too, in this Colorado State game because... I really think that the Buffs will get out to a pretty big lead just because they do have the significant talent gap in their favor, which means that in the second half of the game, or maybe even before that, the Rams are going to be forced to throw the ball constantly, which is almost a good thing for this Buffs secondary because they're just going to get so many reps. Uh, hopefully, hopefully the lead is big enough that the Rams don't come back and threaten the Buffs, but if they're just consistently down a couple touchdowns and need to keep throwing the ball, those are more opportunities for the secondary to 
figure out what exactly they have to do to be ready for Nebraska in week two. So I think that this is a pretty good uh, opportunity. I think that Colorado State, you know, it's not it's not a team that they're going to be able to just push around. It's not a team where everybody's just going to be able to rely on their uh, talent gap against their opponent to win the game. They're going to have to think a little bit. And that's an opportunity for all these guys to get used to what their role is in this new defense and hopefully make a stride or two before they do have to start playing, you know, Nebraska week two. Uh, They have Justin Herbert on the schedule. You know, Khalil Tate did not look good on Friday or no, on Saturday, but, you know, he's still electric. They have a bunch of great quarterbacks on the schedule. Phil Steele says they have six of the 15 best in the country on their schedule. So going up against a guy like Colin Hill, who's one of the best at the uh, group of five level, is a good start, a good place for them to figure out what they have and then grow from there. Uh, It's time now to take a second and acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of BSN Denver. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. You've probably heard of their delicious vanilla porter, their oatmeal stout, and most people's personal favorite, the world-famous Avalanche, which is their classic American amber ale. But they just released a new beer called Strawberry Sky that you guys are going to love. For you beer enthusiasts out there, they're calling this a lighthearted Kolsch ale, but for those of you who have no idea what that means, this is that light, delicious summer beer that you've been looking for. So look for Strawberry Sky at your local liquor store or any other Breckenridge beer. And make sure you also look out for the Breckenridge event calendar on bsndenver.com. You'll be able to see all of the events we have planned and we'll be drinking Breck beers at all of them. So RSVP and have a good time. Hey guys, it's Allie and Lindsay here. And we want to talk to you about our new favorite wine subscription. It is Winester. The best thing about Winester is that they work with small wineries. You know BSN loves supporting small local businesses, and Weinster is just that, supporting real people making real wine. These guys will curate a hand-picked shipment for you from the best small wine producers in the U.S. So my favorite part about Weinster is the fact that I don't really know much about wine, and when I go to a liquor store, I tend to gravitate towards the same wine I've always had instead of trying something new. But with Weinster, they make the process so easy. That's exactly right, Allie. And from my perspective, you guys, I love wine and have tried so many different types of wine at different price points. And Weinster is not only easy, but it is quite literally some of the best wine I've ever tasted, and it makes for an amazing gift. What's also ideal about Weinster is that you can pick your shipments based on your schedule. That's right, Allie. So whether you're a casual drinker or you love hosting parties, you can get your shipment based on your lifestyle. So head to their website today, you guys. That's W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R, Weinster.com. We've got BSN25 promo code for you, and you can save $25 off your first order. All right. So we didn't get many questions for today, so I want to take this opportunity to run through more of the Buffs roster and just give some thoughts on some players and see if we can get on the same page before the season starts, get like a baseline knowledge of what's going on at every position. So we talked about the receivers on Thursday, I believe, maybe Wednesday. We talked about the receivers at some point, so we'll skip them. And move on to this Buffs offensive line, which has been the uh, one of the big question marks 
going into this season, whether they can take a big enough step forward for you know the running backs to have a chance, for Steven Montez to settle down a little bit and not have to worry about taking hits every time he drops back in the pocket. And we've heard a lot of promising things. We've heard from Coach Chris Kapilovic that he really thinks that this line can take a stride, that uh, there's they're starting to get to know each other, get to know how they play. I mean, it's very similar to the group they had last year. Uh, so there's more experience. But I think more interesting than hearing from Kapilovic has been what other people have said about him. From the outside, it really sounds like Kapilovic has been kind of the acquisition of the summer. Or I guess the offseason. This isn't the NFL where it's all... Yeah, but he's kind of been the big, the big acquisition outside of Mel Tucker because he is just so established and so experienced as an offensive line coach. A lot of the guys have said things like, you know, I feel like I'm actually being coached now, which is a serious indictment of the previous coaching staff. But that's kind of the the vibe that we're getting out of this offensive line where it's like, well, no wonder we stunk last year. We didn't know what we were doing, and nobody was really helping us figure it out. And that seems to be changed so far. You know, it's been very positive about Coach Cap uh, spending more time working with technique, you know, hand placement, all that sort of stuff that the guys didn't feel like they were getting enough of in the past. Also bringing in Arlington Hambright, an established left tackle uh, to kind of anchor the pass protection lets Will Sherman, who is one of the best left tackles in the Pac-12 last year, lets him go over to the right side for a sophomore year where he should have a little bit easier time just because he does project just a tiny bit more as a run blocker than he does a pass blocker. Um, so those tackle spots, it's easy to feel confident in them. You know, Arlington Hambright, 6'5 and 300 pounds. That's a pretty solid guy. That's a, somebody that you want protecting your blind side. At 6'4", 3'10", on right tackle, again, bulky. You run through all these weights. 3'10", for Kari Cooch, or Kari Cooch at left guard. Uh, Tim Lanott at 300. Colby Purcell at 305. This is a big group. Those are all guys, what's the average there? 305? 305 pounds are averaging. Here's the height. 6'5", 6'5", 6'3", 6'4", 6'4". Averaging 6'4". little over 6'4". That's it. I mean, it's not like the Nebraska line last year where they're averaging 6'5", 320 or whatever, but this is a pretty big group of guys. And if they actually do have the technique down, which they say they do, I think that there's a, a good chance that they can impress people. Uh, we, we talked to Coach Cap on Sunday, and he did have a couple of things to say that I thought were pretty interesting. One of them being that, you know, this offensive line isn't set in stone. Like, this is who he's going with week one. Uh, but in week two, if if he doesn't think two guys are playing well together, then he's going to switch things up. And I think the spot that he mentioned was uh, was the left guard spot with Kari Cooch, who's just the... He's, he's the least experienced of the five starters that the Buffs named on their season opening depth chart on Thursday. And even he got on the field in every game last season. He just wasn't a starter. So what Cap was saying was that 
you know, you just can't simulate pressure. And that's something that we think about more when we talk about kickers and quarterbacks. But the offensive line, it affects them too, or at least that's what Coach Cap said. Uh, he said that when they actually get out there, some guys play better, some guys play worse. And it's just so much different than practice that you really need to see it on the field before you know that you have what you want to have. So this starting offensive line of Arlington Hambright at left tackle, Kari Cooch at left guard, uh, Tim Lenott at center, Colby Purcell at right guard, and then William Sherman at right tackle. I think the tackle spots are safe. I think that Lenott at center is pretty safe. I think Colby Purcell is still pretty safe at right guard, but less so than the other three. Then Kari Cooch at left guard is the guy who could be switched out for somebody else uh, if things don't go well in the first game. Um, we've also heard good things about Frank Phillip, uh, six foot seven, two hundred ninety pound left tackle. Uh, he's a sophomore. Uh, he's probably their swing tackle. So Hambright needs to leave the game for whatever reason. Will Sherman needs to leave the game for whatever reason. He's the guy who I expect to step up in either of those starting roles. Um, inside, uh, Cap shouted out Joshua Gines a redshirt freshman center who's backing up Tim Lanott as a guy who he thinks has really taken strides in camp. So he's another guy that we really should be watching for on this offensive line. It's just really hard to project how how this line will perform because they don't go full bore in practice all that often, and we wouldn't get to see anyway, so we just have to go with what we hear. But, you know, this isn't a group that's getting much hype outside of Colorado. And it's, it's easy to see why they could take a step forward with the better coaching, with more talent, with more experience. Like, I mean, Arlington Hambright should lock down left tackle. Uh, Will Sherman should be one of the best right tackles. Tim Lenott has a sh- shot at the NFL, I think, at center. And those are your three spots on your offensive line. And there are two more. You know, it's easy to be optimistic, but you really have to remember that this wasn't a strong group last year, and you're just relying on projection. It would be so huge, though, if they could take a big step forward this season. Uh, the running game with these young backs could really use the help that would come with having an offensive line that opens up holes, makes it easy for the backs, stops them from having to panic you know, when nothing's open in front of them, figure out whether they should bounce it outside, whether just like hit the line hard and try to fall forward for a couple of yards. Those are decisions you don't want 18, 19 year olds to have to make. You want this offensive line to just, I don't know, just, just show them exactly where they need to go and really take away some of the decision-making from the young running backs who are very talented, but we just don't know how ready they are for some of the mental aspects that come with being a college football player who's on the field consistently. For Steven Montez, it's obvious to see how a renewed offensive line could really help him. But what I think is, it's it's even more important than it has been in the past that he gets protection because they are running that pro-style offense where they try to throw the ball down the field. And that takes some time. It takes time for plays to develop, and he needs some help to be able to make that happen. There's also the situations that we saw last year where nobody was open in two seconds, and so we really panicked because he was so used to being hit if nobody was open in two seconds because the offensive line, you know, one of the five guys would let somebody through 
within the first couple seconds. If he's able to be comfortable back there, be confident. I mean, I always think of like Drew Brees as a guy who just doesn't panic. You know, he gets the ball and everything just looks so easy for him. He gets the ball, he sits back there, he looks around, finds his guy, and then he throws it. And that's something that Steven Montez just hasn't had the opportunity to do. It's something that he hasn't had the opportunity to show because if there's nobody open right away, if it's not a quick catch and pass, he has to scramble. He needs to run around the pocket. He needs to at least step up and find a little bit of space for himself. Taking that responsibility off of him would make his new responsibilities in this new offense much, much simpler for him. It means that he could put all of his focus on finding the open receiver, going through his reads, instead of worrying about what happens or what's about to happen because he can't trust the offensive line. Before we move on, I want to talk just a little bit about the tight ends. We spent some more time on them last week, so I'll try to get through this kind of quickly. But here's the depth chart that the Buffs gave us. Brady Russell, Jalen Harris, Bo Bisharat, Darion Jones. This one is interesting because we don't really know how these four will be used. Also, Jared Poplowski at the bottom at number five. I doubt that he gets much time on the field. Um, these are mostly blocking guys, and I think that's where you start when you look into this, that historically these are four guys who, I guess Bo Bisharat's new to tight end, but the other three have traditionally been more of a blocking type of tight end than one that's going to go downfield and make plays. You know, that freak athlete George Kittle type of tight end where he's just so fast that he's almost like a receiver right there. That's not what any of these guys are. If I had to guess, I would say that Darion Jones is probably your best receiving threat out of that bunch. Maybe Bo Bisharat. It's He's one who I'm excited to see. You know, he came in here as a pretty hyped-up guy, I think he was a four-star recruit, didn't really pan out at running back, and now he has a chance at tight end, where, I mean, he's a little undersized at 6'2", 230, but you hope that he still has some of that speed and explosiveness that made him such a highly rated recruit a few years ago. He's a guy who I really, honestly, I don't expect him to break out, but he is a candidate too. It could be that this new role for him really opens up the game and utilizes his talents better. It's too bad the Buffs don't use a fullback more often. Otherwise, I think Bo would fill that role pretty well. As a tight end, I mean, we kind of just have to wait and see what exactly it looks like. Darion Jones, who's listed right behind him at number four, has gotten a lot of hype throughout camp as a guy who's made some plays. And, I mean, he's 6'6", 255. Again, not somebody who you expect to just be a burner down the field, but he's so big that he could be a big threat in the red zone. You know, maybe Jalen Harris has locked up that role. He's a grad transfer from Auburn. And, you know, maybe he is that same type of receiving threat. He can just do that and do it at a higher level, and that's why he's up higher on the depth chart. But from what we've heard... It almost sounds like Darion Jones is making more plays in the receiving game, even though he is listed number four. So there's a quick take on this depth chart. I think Brady Russell is mostly going to be used as a blocker. Interested to see how they rotate. I really do expect to see them go four deep at tight end. 
but we really won't know until the game on Friday. I'm excited now to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible, so check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety, you name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use code BSN2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. Moving on, we are going to talk next about the final two positions on the offense, the quarterback and the halfback, tailback, they call it. They call it tailback, running back. They don't have a tight end, so I, they probably should just say running back. I like that better. Uh, quarterback, it's Steven Montez. Uh, we, we've had some questions about what it would take for Steven to lose the starting job. The answer is it would take a lot. I really don't see that happening this year. You know, he's the guy. He Because they don't have any better options behind him. If you're taking him out, you're taking him out because you want to get somebody reps, not because you think it will make the team better. They just don't really have somebody who could potentially step in and be a better option for this offense. So that's where I want to start, is that it's Steven Montez one. You could go through and say like there isn't even a number two and like Lytle and Stenstrom are tied for number three because it really is just Montez for as long as Montez is able to stay in the game. You know, he's a guy who we've talked a lot about kind of what, what he needs to do this season and I think it's good to go back through now that we're doing this, now that we have the uh, Rocky Mountain Showdown just a few days away, to kind of sum up everything that really Montez needs to prove this year as a senior. So there are a couple of knocks on his game. Uh, The first being that he's a one-read quarterback, that he kind of stares down receivers. He's supposed to look if, uh, you know, the linebacker steps back on an in and there's a guy running a drag in front. He reads that linebacker and throws it to whichever one he's not covering. You know, if, if he's going up against his own defense. And that's the kind of stuff that he handles. But if both those two guys are covered because the defense is giving him a different look, he might not be able to look to the other side of the field, quickly figure out what's going on over there, and then throw the ball to whoever is open. That's not something that he's really proven capable of so far at Colorado. And that's the big thing that he really does need to turn around. He needs to show that he can do at least some of that. And I think that there's a good chance that he can because he really just wasn't asked to do it much over the last few years. He was asked to be a one-read guy. He was asked to, you know, throw the screen to LaVisca and it didn't matter what sort of coverage the defense was in. It was just catch the snap, turn, throw. Don't even think about it. So... He didn't spend much time studying that stuff because, or at least I guess that he didn't because he didn't need to add it to his game. He wasn't at the point in his career where he needed to read defenses down the field all that much. In this new offense, a new pro-style offense, he's going to have to do that. He's going to have to make multiple reads, find the open guy, and then hit him. And 
like we were talking about earlier, it's a lot easier on him if the offensive line has his back and he doesn't need to be thinking about his protection. But let's just assume that he does have time to make it easier. He really does need to show that he is capable of that. Um, even if it's one of those things where he's hit and miss, where sometimes he has it, sometimes he doesn't, that's good enough for him to get drafted. And that might even be good enough to get the buffs to a bowl game. He doesn't need to be perfect. He has the talent, and he's been relying on that talent. Like we've heard, that's been the narrative around him for years. He has the talent to win games. He has the talent to go to the NFL. He just needs a little bit of a little bit more of the mental stuff to look like a real NFL prospect and to really give the Buffs a chance to make a surprise run this year. Now, if he does have it all totally figured out, if he spent every second he's been awake since the end of last season just studying football, figuring out where his eyes need to be in every situation, then yeah, maybe he does make a huge leap and he becomes that becomes one of his strengths. In that case, the buffs could be just unstoppable. With the weapons he has, if he's able to diagnose defenses and figure out where the soft spots are and figure out who is going to be there before the snap and then during the snap make adjustments to all those reads and actually get the ball to whoever is open based on how the play goes down, this offense will be unstoppable. I'm with LaVisca Chenault. Katie Nixon is a number two. Like I've said a couple of times, he's a very good number two receiver. He's one of the best in the conference. There's so much talent, so many guys with the potential to break out that this offense could be super explosive. But it all kind of depends on what Steven Montez is able to do with this new playbook, whether he is ready to run this offense and to what level? Because like I said, even if he isn't perfect, even if he's only taking a step forward, a half step forward, that's a big enough jump for him to be an NFL draft pick, and that's a big enough jump for this Buffs offense to really turn the corner. Now, the other concern about Steven Montez is that he disappears sometimes. He'll just have a couple of really bad, surprisingly bad games each season. I don't think that needs to change. Obviously, you want it to. Obviously, bad quarterback play is going to take you out of those games. Obviously, those games are going to hurt his draft stock. But that's just something that happens to good quarterbacks. I mean, Justin Herbert, is even if he doesn't get rid of the couple of really bad games he's had every season, he's still going to be a top three pick. That's what happens to 22-year-olds when they're asked to run these offenses. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Those are the types of things that an NFL team thinks it can coach out of a quarterback. Similar to not being all there with your progressions, with all of your reads. If he can flash those, that's good enough. If he can be mostly consistent, if he can have nine good games and three rough ones, that's good enough because he has the talent. In terms of winning football games, you hope that his bad games come against great teams. You hope that it's because, you know, they're playing... Uh, Washington or Oregon or Utah and he just doesn't have it and it's a game he probably would have lost anyway. Where you get concerned is if he just isn't ready for the Air Force game. It's just missing passes in the Air Force game or maybe Arizona. The games you have to win, those are the ones that if he doesn't show up, 
it really won't hurt his it it will hurt his draft stock but it's not going to take him out of the draft but it will really hurt this team so he needs to show the consistency through the winnable games if he falls apart against teams like Washington Oregon it's not the end of the world although like like I said about the Reed stuff you'd like to see him be perfect that just might not be realistic behind Montez though we really don't know what we would see if one of these guys has to come on. The Buffs have Tyler Lytle and Blake Stenstrom listed as oars for the number two backup job. And Tyler Lytle was the number two coming out of spring camp. Uh, then it was Sam Neuer three, then Blake Stenstrom. Stenstrom was hurt and didn't play during spring, which could have hurt him, definitely hurt him. Now we don't know which one of these two will see the field next. Lytle's the, the sophomore. Uh, Stenstrom is a redshirt freshman. So they're the same age. Stenstrom has the extra year of eligibility. You know, Lytle got in a game last year. Uh, I think it was just the first year of the game, or, or first game of the year against Colorado State. He was four for five for 50 yards with an interception, which, you know, not all that bad. It's kind of a very small sample size, but he moved the ball. He had like a, a big pass on fourth down to uh, Juwan Winfrey. Looked decent. Haven't seen anything from Stenstrom, but Stenstrom was a four-star recruit coming out of high school. Valor Christian uh, rated by ESPN. So, you know, really either of these guys could be next up to be quarterback for the Buffs starting next season. I don't think either of them are probably ready right now. But again, it's one of those situations where you just have to wait and see because, you know, there's a decent chance that one of these two is the guy next year. So hopefully, you know, the Buffs get up big in a couple games and these two get some chances to see the field because I think it would be really interesting to see them play. And the last position we're going to talk about today is tailback, which is a fun one. Uh, lots of talk, obviously, about who is going to be the lead back this year. Sounds like it's Fontenot. From what I've been hearing, it's Fontenot is kind of the guy. That's who you bet on. Um, the question is whether that means that he's getting 80% of the snaps or realistically, he could also just be getting 40% of the snaps with four backs in this rotation. That could still be the lion's share. If I had to make a guess... I'd say it's somewhere between a half and two-thirds. Call it 60% uh, sixty Fontenot to start uh, with Mangum, Deion Smith, Jarek Broussard. I don't think we'll see much of Joe Davis. Um, let's go through that depth chart real quick. So Alex Fontenot is a sophomore, 6'195". Uh, Jaron Mangum listed number 2, 6'2", 215. He's a true freshman. Deion Smith, 6'190", redshirt freshman. Uh, Jarek Broussard, also a redshirt freshman, uh, five foot nine, one eighty. Joe Davis, five foot eleven, two ten, true freshman. So in that, in that top five, two true freshmen, two redshirt freshmen, and a sophomore. That's such a young group. You hope that they're ready, or at least a couple of them are ready. And that's the thing that might take some time. You know, they've had two scrimmages where they've gone full speed, taking guys to the ground, and that's it. Um, and when you actually get out on the field, like we were talking about with these offensive linemen, 
you just don't know what these guys are going to do. Some of them are going to look great because they kind of step up to the moment. Some guys might be a little bit nervous, might be a little bit scared. It's going to be a rough start for these running backs. I think that'd be my guess because we don't know how each of them individually will respond. And until you know that, you don't know what this rotation should be. Uh, running backs coach Darian Hagan doesn't know if Alex Fontenot, who's been the number one guy in camp, is really ready to be the number one guy. Maybe once he gets out there, he has issues holding onto the ball or something, knock on wood. But that's just the kind of stuff you really don't know about until you see them on the field, in game action. And that's why I think the first few weeks, they're going to mess with this rotation a little bit to see what actually works, who plays well in what situations, who should be in pass protection, who should be out running routes, uh, who, who they can flex out of the backfield to run routes. You know, there's so much that these guys can do, and they're all very talented physically. It's just figuring out who fits best where. And what we've heard is that Fontenot is uh, going to be the lead back, that Jaron Mangum will be backing him up, getting more reps also kind of in that running back role, that true ball-carrying running back role. And then, you know, Deion Smith is their explosive guy. Jarek Broussard is their pass catcher. Joe Davis, that number five, he was very good in fall camp, but because he is the number five back and he is a true freshman, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to redshirt him this year. And even then, maybe they give him reps in the first couple of weeks because you do have the four games with red or with freshmen before they have to, to redshirt any player who hasn't redshirted before they have to redshirt. I wouldn't be surprised if they see if he is a guy who breaks out early and forces you to keep him on the field. You know, we don't know how this position, more than most of the others, will really play out. When we go across this offensive line, sure, they could make a switch at left guard. Maybe they make a switch at one of the other spot, like right guard spot. But mostly we know how it's going to work. At wide receiver, we know who those top four or five guys are. We just need to see how that all shakes out. Tight end, bit of a rotation. Don't totally know. Quarterback, it's Steven Montez. But at running back, it's kind of wide open. Whoever gets hot could end up being kind of a bell cow going forward. If a few guys get hot, they're going to keep this rotation going. This is the one position where I really think more than any other, we just need to see the game action and see how everything falls into place. Who looks like they deserve what kind of touches and what situations. And that's going to be very fluid, I would guess. Uh, starting week one into week two into week three, then you hope by the time you get into Pac-12 play that you know who your guys are. That's my prediction. Uh, very high on Alex Fontenot. Honestly, pretty high on all these guys. Deion Smith, he's he, he has that breakaway speed, and I think he has the ability to find the holes to use it too, so I'd keep an eye on him as well. That's all I've got for today. Um, we're going to get into the defense tomorrow and really dig in and talk about what to expect from all these guys, uh, what this rotation will even look like. And then later in the week, have a couple guests on Justin, Michael, uh, Andre Simone talking Rocky Mountain showdown, talking about college football as a whole, uh, maybe more. We'll see, but that's kind of the basic plan for this week is get through the defense, get through the special teams, uh, Tomorrow's the press conferences for Buffs football as well as all the other sports. So 
We'll see what we learn there, and I will report back to you guys tomorrow. That's it for today. Uh, thanks for riding with me. Bye, guys. I think they like my Colorado sway. Cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. Might not sway, I think they like my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway.